I was about half an it was about half an hour before she was born. I finally got to the birth center. Not entirely my fault, but I I did have to get a run in before uh, before she came into the world. This one's radio episode seven hundred and twenty eight starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to let you know um, that uh, coming soon, coming in August of 2019, so a few months out, uh, plans are already well underway for the first first ever, but certainly not the first annual, uh, Diz Runs Virtual Race. Uh, if you remember back a few weeks ago, I announced that I was running, or I am running, uh, the, the Goofy Challenge this year, 2020. Uh, at Walt Disney World as part of the team and training group, raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And uh, the next wave of fundraising, uh, other than, you know, every once in a while I'll mention, mention the link in case you want to donate, disruns.com slash goofy. Ha ha, see what I did there. But uh, the next the next major push for uh, helping, for asking you to help me fight against leukemia and lymphoma is to put a little virtual race together. Um, like I said, details will be coming soon, so stay tuned. But it's going to be in August. You can do whatever distance you want. So if you're training for a fall race and you've got, you know, 18 miles on the calendar, you're like, God, I really don't feel like doing 18 miles. Um, maybe maybe a little virtual race bling, a little uh, Diz Days of Summer is kind of the, the theme I think that we're going with. Um, you know, kind of a play on dog days of summer because it's, it's August and it's, you know, some of those training runs in August are not the most pleasant no matter where you are on the globe or at least no matter where you are in the Northern Hemisphere. So uh, stay tuned for more information on that, but just want to put that on your on your calendar or on your radar. Probably looking at twenty five or thirty dollars for for the total cost. Um, and the goal is to have a virtual swag bag that's worth uh, well north of a hundred dollars, maybe hopefully close to like a hundred and fifty dollars of various giveaways and courses and guides and resources and uh, maybe an audiobook dot 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 so stay tuned for more information on uh, the diz runs virtual race the diz days of summer coming this august to uh wherever you are wherever you are in the world it will be there and i would love to have you participate obviously it's going to be a lot of fun but definitely raising some money for a good cause so stay tuned for more details and now without any further ado let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show Hey guys, uh, it's been a while since we've talked about mindfulness on the show and how being more mindful can help you as you work towards becoming a, you know, quote unquote, better runner, whatever, you know, better actually means to you, because obviously that's a sliding scale for all of us. Um, but like I said, it's been a while overdue and uh, today's guest has been studying Buddhist meditation for over 30 years and has been running for close to 20 years. So clearly he's, uh, you know, probably got a little bit of, of things to offer us in terms of being more mindful um, and, and being more aware of, of what we're doing and, and how, uh, for him, you know, blending the two disciplines of running and, and meditation over the years has really helped him achieve many of his running goals. Uh, so looking forward to hearing some of those stories, maybe 
learning a few things that can help me and hopefully help all of you as well along the way. Uh, he's also a coach and, a, and the leader of uh, kind of everything that's going on over at Dharma Running, which is, uh, you know, uh, something that I think is kind of new. I don't know. We'll get into that as we go. But, you know, again, trying to blend this idea of meditation and running and how that can be very useful and obviously how he works at that as being a coach as well. So it's a pleasure today to be able to go a few easy miles with Mr. Eric Wilden. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Eric. Really appreciate it. And welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. It's great to be here. I'm yeah. really excited. Certainly. Looking forward to it. And uh, guys, if you want to find out more about what Eric has going on, uh, dharmarunning.com is the website. That's D-H-A-R-M-A running.com. Uh, on the Instagrams, at dharma underscore running. And uh, on the Facebook, just a sl- subtle little tweak there, but just enough to, st- to throw you off. Uh, if you search for uh, at dharma runner, all one word, but runner instead of running. That's the difference there on Facebook. Uh, but you can find all of those links and links to anything else we talk about, as always, in the show notes, disruns.com slash 728. Today, we'll get you back to the show notes, photos, Cliff's notes, all the things, all the links, disruns.com slash 728. So, Eric, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with, is with the same very, very simple question. Uh, sometimes it's a simple answer. Sometimes it's a, a little bit uh, something that, that makes the folks have to, to think a little bit and try to try to figure out which one actually is the, the, the their answer. But uh, just simply want to ask to get things started today, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Yeah, so I love that question. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I've been thinking about it probably for weeks now um, because I feel like any anything I choose, I'm going to be betraying all the other distances <laughs> and I want to be I want to be fair to all of them. But, um, you know, I thought about this a lot, actually. And, I, you know, part of me wants to say that the marathon is my favorite distance to race. Um, it really there's a special place in my heart for the marathon. It's mm-hmm. one of those bucket list type of achievements for almost everybody who runs one, um, including me. And running long distances like the marathon and ultra distances, that's really done a lot to change my life for the better. Um, but for the sake of the show today, I'm going to say my favorite distance is 10 miles. Ah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of 10-mile races out there, but Philadelphia happens to have the um, – the biggest uh, 10-mile race in the country, the Broad Street Run, um, which I just ran a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 40,000 runners and a lot of spectators. Um, and to me, it really sums up what it means to live and run in a city like Philly that's um, it's known for being gritty mm-hmm. in more ways than one. Um, and it's also the city of brotherly love. So you run through what some people think are rough neighborhoods, but their families out in front of their homes cheering. You run through black and white and Asian and Latino neighborhoods, and you get a, a taste for the real spectrum of different cultures in Philadelphia and start to really understand Philly as um, a city of neighborhoods, as it's known. Mm-hmm. And, and I've run the Broad Street Run about – well, I've run it seven years in a row now, um, and I go back – in my mind, a lot of times when Broad Street's coming up to the first time I ran it in 2013, which to me was really when I fell in love with Philadelphia, mm-hmm. with the city and with the running community and with the people here in general. Um, I just remember, you know, it was a crowded race. You run it, you finish, you're walking back to the subway with tens of thousands of people. Um, it's often rainy, a little drizzly, <laughs> a little cold. You know, it's early May, so the weather can go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember my first time getting on the subway, and I was running by myself that time. I wasn't, didn't really have uh, a running community yet. 
so I was just getting on the subway to head back to my car and go home. And there are the, the subway cars are packed with runners with their medals and their bibs on and their bags full of bananas and pretzels and everything. And uh, we're on the subway. And as we head north, um, you know, basically under Broad Street going north, the race itself goes from north to south. Uh, but we're heading back and people are getting on to go to work. Mm-hmm. Runners are getting off at different stops. And eventually there's kind of a balance of runners and just regular everyday folks who are going to work or going to church or wherever they might be going. And everybody's asking everybody else, how was your race? How's your day? Um, and that first time I sat down next to someone who was on her way to work. We had a conversation, you know, started up a little conversation. I found out she was friends with my next door neighbor. Mm. Um, I realized what a small place Philadelphia really is. And there was just so much love on that subway car for me that day. It's something about it. Um, you know, it's not, it's not an unusual thing, especially after the Broad Street run, but something about it that day just struck me uh, as absolutely beautiful. And I really felt, um, you know, not to sound too new agey about it or anything, but I really felt at one with this city and with, uh, with people in general. It was, a beautiful, it was a beautiful moment for me. So um, the Broad Street run is by far my favorite race. Uh, and that means 10 miles would be my favorite distance. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I, yeah, no, that that uh, that all makes sense. And um, I, every so often, you know, somebody will mention that ten miles is is their favorite distance, and and almost without you know without fail, there's somebody from the Philly area, the DC area, where the, you know there's the, the cherry blossom is obviously a, yeah, a pretty that's a big, big one ten too. miler, um, and and Broad Street. And I think maybe there's a couple in, in New York, a couple of, of kind of that area, New York, New Jersey area, where there's some ten miles. But it's you know it it, it is a great distance and. Um, one that uh, I wish I wish we had a few more opportunities. We we had a ten miler here in Lakeland in, in Florida for a couple of, of years, and it just you know the first year it was super popular. Um, the course wasn't that great, which I think might have have hurt it because like the second year it was like half the people showed up, um, and then after that it was just I don't even know if they did a third year uh, just because it was just you know it, it put on a race isn't uh, isn't a, an easy thing, and when your numbers go way down. Um, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, just what a, like, it's just far enough, but it's not quite as far. And, and I don't know. I mean, I guess the half marathon falls into that too, but it's just, it's nice to have a different category once in a while. Yeah. It's nice to not have to kill yourself running a race for mm-hmm. one thing and broad street, there are 40,000 people running it. So unless you're at the front of the corral and really trying, um, you know, you could let go of the, the notion of PRing in, the, right. in that race. Um, you're going to be zigzagging through a lot of people. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if everybody's, uh, gar- most people's garments said they ran 11 miles by the time <laughs> you finish it. Right. You're going back and forth across the road so much, but the crowds are incredible. And, you know, I see some of the best signs or people, you know, there's, there's the official, uh, aid stations, but there are so many unofficial aid mm-hmm. stations with everything from water to tequila. Right. Um, I mean, this year it was on Cinco de Mayo, so oh, that was, was out of control, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's for me, it's a, just a fun distance. Mm-hmm. Um, a 5k is not a fun distance no. for me no. because I feel like I'm dying the whole time. And a marathon is is extremely tiring and exhausting if I'm racing it, but 10 miles is just right there in the sweet spot. And like you said, a half marathon too. Um, some of my friends and I, uh, we live about 5K from the starting line of the uh, of the Broad Street Run, so we make it into a half marathon every year now, um, just to, just for fun. We'll run to the starting line. Well, and that makes some of the logistics of the morning of trying to find parking or traveling. Like if you can just run in, like right. that's that makes it a whole lot easier too. 
Right. There's no stress. Mm -hmm. We probably leave later than everyone who's driving there and we still get there half an hour early to stand in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. It's a fun time. Yeah. Sure. Just a lot of camaraderie. A lot of outside, of, outside of the rain, you're doing a good job of selling it. But yeah, if it, if it rains every year, it's like, eh, you know, like, but, but yeah, I mean a good 10 mile race with that kind of crowd support. Um, I've, I've known several people that have run the race before and, uh, everybody, everybody raves about it. Everybody says that that is, you know, if you're going to run a, a Philly race, that is, that is the race hands down. Yeah. A lot of the old school runners uh, don't like it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. they remember running it when it was 2000, 3000 right. runners and you ran right through city hall and you know, you didn't, it didn't take hours to get there. And mm-hmm. you know, there weren't 17 different corrals and, um, you know, but for me, it's the, the size of it is one of the beautiful things about it. And there's so many people running their first race, so many new runners. Um, it's just really, there's a lot of great energy there. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how'd you get started in running, Eric? Is it, I, I mean, like we said in the intro, it's, it's not something that you just started doing in the last uh, couple of years. It's, a, I think, according to the website, 18, 19 years, something like that. So how'd you get, yeah. uh, how'd you get started yeah. in the sport? Well, when I, when I think about how long it's been, it makes me feel old because I didn't start, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start running until after graduate school. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I was never a runner growing up. I was a totally non-athletic kid. Um, in fact, my memories of, of youth sports, which included for me soccer and uh, Little League baseball, um, involve tears and trauma. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was rough. And I think my insecurity around how uh, non-athletic I was um, and the, the sort of bullying that came along with that back in those days, uh, you know, it, it, it traumatized me and it made me, uh, it kept me away from, from sports and from really sort of recognizing that I was, I was kind of built as a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, now I look and think that I was, you know, I wish I had, I wish I had run mm-hmm. back then. Um, but I didn't run, didn't, uh, didn't play sports at all. Um, and then I went to grad school. Uh, when I was about 30 and I was in Boulder, Colorado for graduate school. I went to Naropa University, which is a, a Buddhist based um, uh, school there mm-hmm. founded by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who was a Tibetan uh, Lama um, back in the early 70s. Um, and of course, Boulder's a mecca for all sorts of outdoor adventures, mm-hmm. including trail running. Um, so I was working on my uh, Buddhist uh, Master of Divinity degree at Naropa. And of course, being, you know, here I am surrounded by the beauty and majesty of the Rocky Mountains and Boulder and fit people everywhere. And I didn't run at all. (laughs) (laughs) I spent three years, uh, you know, meditating and with my head in books and having great conversations, making great friends and learning a lot. But I also gained 25 pounds. Mm -hmm. So I got, I finished school. Um, I had, I had met my wife and we got married in the meantime and we were looking for, we were looking for work and kind of figuring out what we were going to do next in our life. And, uh, one of the things I decided to do next was lose that grad school weight. Mm. Um, and I had a friend who had just started running and she was running on some of the trails outside of, outside of Boulder. And I decided to, to copy that. Um, so I would run a couple miles here and there. Uh, I wasn't doing a lot of running and I had a dog. Uh, my dog's name was Dharma, actually, mm. and we used to run together um, just along the creek in Boulder, just going out for, you know, probably just one, two, three mile runs here and there. Um, and eventually I started to lose a little bit of the weight 
And um, then my wife and I moved back to uh, Pennsylvania. She's from New Jersey originally, and I, I grew up near Allentown, Pennsylvania. So we decided Philly was probably the best place to for us to find decent work and to you know to start our lives together. Um, so we moved back here, and then I just started running like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know it was just maybe the need for more me time. Um, it was, you know, I was still feeling more and more fit. And I think what was happening to me, uh, kind of unconsciously was this acknowledgement that I am a runner, Mm -hmm. you know, that runner was inside me the whole time, just kind of waiting to come out. Um, you know, and it took that, it it took those first steps, uh, on the trail in Boulder. And then most of my running, when I first came back to Philly was on the treadmill, um, you know, I would get on the treadmill after work and go, but there, there was something was coming out of me. Uh, and I still remember the first time I ran seven miles, <laughs> you know, that was like, I, I know that for a lot of people, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And for me at the time it was, that was probably about, um, 12 or 13 years ago now. Um, that was a huge milestone for whatever reason, seven miles. And then I thought, okay, I can do seven miles. I can do more than that. Right. Um, and then my wife and I started to have uh, started to build our family. And in 2007, uh, our older daughter was born. She's now 12. Um, and I think I, you know, some just kept me running through that, mm-hmm. through the pregnancy, through the all the, you know, the, the late nights, the sleepless nights of having a new baby through 2007, 2008, and then 2009, we were getting ready to welcome our, our second child. And, um, I just went off the deep end as far as my running goes. I decided I was going to do a 366 day running streak. I decided, uh, I ran my first 5k that year and my first marathon, um, and running every day that year and realizing sort of what running was doing to me physically and spiritually, uh, was a profound, it was a profound recognition for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even the day my daughter was born, it was August 2nd and I had to get a run in. Mm -hmm. I almost missed her birth. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I was about half, I was about half an, it was about half an hour before she was born. I finally got to the birth center, not entirely my fault, but I I did have to get a run in before, uh, before she came into the world that day. So I, I did a mile. Um, but, I, but all of that running that year, wh- one of the things I realized was how much people love it and how much people are inspired when they see someone else loving it. Mm-hmm. You know, that my love for running that year was starting to um, to really have an effect on my friends and other people around me. And I would post some of my runs during my running streak on Facebook and friends were saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to start running because of you. This is this is pretty awesome, and that just made me feel so good. It made me mm-hmm. feel like, you know, I started running for me. I started running to lose weight. I started running for my my mental health. Um, but the further I got into it, the more I realized that you know, part of it was for other people because it could bring those same that same uh, health to them, the mental and physical and spiritual health that I found in it. Right. Um, and so, I, so the last 10 years for me has been a, a wild time of running. I think it's been building and being part of an amazing community of runners. We have so many great running groups in and around Philadelphia, um, making a lot of new friends through running, um, deepening my friendships with old friends mm-hmm. through running, um, seeing people achieve 
uh, you know, achieve their dreams through running. It's just been, it's been a blessing. I don't use that word a lot, but it, that's really what it's been for at least the last 10 years for me. Wow. That's, so that's, a, that's just short version. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a great version. Story. Yeah. That's, you know, I, uh, I obviously the, the, you know, getting the run in on, on, uh, the day of your, your, uh, daughter's birth that, uh, that's one of those that that uh, it's a good thing that you got there on time because otherwise, that, boy, you I mean, you, I you never would have that, learned yeah. lived that down ever, ever, ever. Well, ever. The, I mean, there's more to the story. I was actually my mother-in-law was coming over to our house to um to watch our other daughter mm-hmm. while so I could go mm-hmm. be at the birth and she wasn't there yet, uh-huh. so I had to go out for a run. Okay, it just had to be done. I gotcha. couldn't break my streak that that far into it. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so so speaking of of the streak, uh, because. Uh, I've, I've talked to running, running, run streakers before, and, and it's something yeah. that I've dabbled in a couple of times. And it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe where I am now, I could be more successful with it. But, but the times that I've tried it, it's just not worked for me. I, I've, I've really needed, uh, and I still think on some level, I, I think I might still be in this point where at least I feel like I need to have a day off here and there. I need to, to, um, maybe not have that pressure of like, I got to get my mile in, but I also, you know, yeah. got to get, got to get somewhere to, to see my child being born. Like, like, I, you know, <laughs> as much as I love running and as much as I, I take it, you know, and prioritize it and make it, make it a, a pretty big part of my life. Um, maybe I like not being tied down to this whole idea of a streak, but for you, you know, Hey, what got you started on the streak? And, and, um, w- w- you know, when you got to the end of the year, was there ever any thought of like, continuing on or was it like nope I've done, I've done my year and, and yeah. I'm done or like how, to, how did it how did it get started and how did it get, get uh, you know wrapped up I'll, I'll start by saying there was no thought in my mind of continuing it after after the <laughs> year that my first day off was a beautiful day right. um but but at the same time it was I was really glad that I did it and and I'm I'm gonna blame it on runner's world I think I read an article in runner's world um probably sometime toward the end of 2008 uh, about a, a streak runner and thought to myself, yeah, that sounds interesting. Maybe that's the kind of thing I'd like to do. Um, and that's, and you know, it was probably, I don't remember very well, but it was probably the end of the year. I was probably, I know it was part of a new year's resolution package, um, of which the other resolutions, I, I don't remember them at all, but the running, <laughs> the running stuck. was, you know, probably, I've probably also, uh, made a resolution to start practicing yoga, which mm. I've been doing, you know, making that resolution every year for like the last 20 years and do not have a regular practice <laughs> yet. But, um, but yeah, I, I remember runner's world being the cause of the whole thing and thinking, you know what, I could do that. It's not, too intense. I think the uh, you know, article I read mentioned somebody who just, you know, just had put in a mile a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up doing averaging about three miles a day by the end of the year. But, but the other thing I learned during that running street time was that recovery is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ran my first marathon this year or that year, uh, without any, any, uh, downtime really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I bonked at mile 16. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was not prepared for that kind of distance, uh, not having had the rest that I really right. needed. Um, and the, you know, that was in November is the Philadelphia marathon. So I was almost, you know, I'd been running every day for almost a year at that mm-hmm. point. Um, I had a target of, uh, three hours and 40 minutes for my first marathon and ended up 
finishing it after having to walk a bunch from mile 16 on. Um, I finished it in four hours and 17 seconds. Wow. Yeah, which I like to call 359.77. But, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so that was like, uh, I got to run this marathon again next year. You know, it's probably a good thing that that happened. It kept the, kept the uh, craziness going, kept, gave me something to prove for the next year. But, um, you know, I learned a lot about recovery and rest by not having it mm-hmm. uh, as well. Even though my, you know, some of my runs were only a mile. They were very slow. Um, and they were basically recovery runs and not, not that far off from rest, but I didn't have a single day where I didn't lace up my shoes and, and get out there or get Mm -hmm. on a treadmill at least. Um, and I did 366 days, even though it wasn't a leap year because I knew, I knew myself well enough by the end of that year that I knew if somebody said, Hey, um, you know, all those streak runners that run during leap years, they run a, they run a day more than you did. I knew that I would never be able to live that down in my own mind. So I knew that I had to run that one extra day mm-hmm. or I would be, you know, the, when the next time a leap year came along, I'd be, I'd be running every single day again. So I think it was January 1st, uh, 2010. And then January 2nd was a, was a really nice relaxing day for me. <laughs> a well, a well-earned day off for sure. Yeah, I um, so. I'd, I'd love to dive a little bit more into the, the rest and recovery bit. And it, you know, part of it maybe through, through the streak, but also just, you know, maybe what you've taken since that to, to mm-hmm. make sure that, that you're giving your body, uh, as, as, as needed the time to, to rest and recover. Because, um, you know, again, I mean, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the things that I, I, at least for myself, I'm very, uh, set on that, that I need the days, uh, you know, I, I take Sunday pretty much completely off Wednesday. I, I very rarely run on Wednesday. I, I'll do some, some yoga or some cycling, something I'll do something, but, but very yeah. rarely run. Um, and I think that I need that those rest recovery days physically, certainly, but I think I need them mentally too. Like I kind of mentioned before we started talking about the streak, um, w- w- have, have you found it to be kind of the same for you, both mentally and physically need the break? Is it more mentally or, or, you know, w- what, what of the, the rest days and the recovery days, um, are, are so important to you now? Well, I think, um, I think that the mental and physical aspects of the rest are, are, deeply connected. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, especially the older I get, I I just turned 50 last month and the older I get, um, you know, the more I recognize that my body is not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm still fit and healthy. I'm a runner. I'm doing great. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I only have this body for so long and I need to take care of it. Um, so, you know, and I've had, I've had injuries throughout the last several years that have, uh, you know, stopped me in my tracks for a week or two at a time. And luckily I've been able to recover from those. But what I learned in that process was that I need to, you know, dial it back when, Mm -hmm. when I start to notice things in my body that could grow into, um, something a little more, you know, risky Mm -hmm. as far as stopping my, stopping my running. Um, so that's, but that's mental too. Right. Because there's the part of me that wants to keep going and push through. There's the part of me that says, eh, you know, you, you've, you've felt that pain before. You felt that twinge in your knee before. It goes away. Just, mm-hmm. you know, just change up your form a little bit. Um, keep running. Or the little voice in my head that says, you know, you always feel better uh, when you're running than when you're not running. So just get out there and 
do more of it. Right. <laughs> you know, I have to listen to those voices, but then then at some point say, hey, you know what, guys, let's <laughs> back off for a minute. Mm. I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to rest. Um, and th- that way I'm going to come back much stronger the next day. Uh, so for me, it's, it's mental and physical. And I love the rest days. I try to take um, I try to take two. Uh, rest days a week, usually Saturdays, like my, my family day, mm-hmm. um, when I'm running around with the kids and stuff. Um, so I'll take most Saturdays off and then, then, you know, one other day during the week, uh, that I, that I try to not run. I'm not very good at cross training, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, if I lift something heavy that day, I'll, I'll <laughs> mark that down as cross training, right. you know, do a couple push ups, <laughs> something like that. But, uh, but, um, you know, but I need the rest and recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I need to get back out there, too. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's like a continual cycle. You know, I rest and then I feel restless and mm-hmm. then I get back out and run and then I need the rest again. Um, it's, it's just ongoing. But the, but I have noticed as I've aged um, that, you know, I need more of it mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't have the, the body I used to have. And in my uh, in my full time job, I work with older adults. I run an agency um, that provides in home mm-hmm. services for people fifty five and older, and so I'm well aware of what happens to us as right. we age. But you know, I've been in denial for the last fifty years about it, and, and and kind of what I'm doing what I'm doing now and focusing on now is kind of embracing that, embracing the fact that. Um, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, I've got another 50 years, but probably right. it's less than that. Mm-hmm. And I should take care of my body while I have it, um, both by running and by resting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm building it up. I'm, I'm making it healthier by running. And then I'm uh, preventing it from falling apart too quickly uh, with those rest days. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. And, and uh, you know, it's it's I, I like to think of it sometimes as it's not two separate things, but it's just two sides of the same coin. Like you need yeah. to train, but you need to rest. And, and, you know, maybe kind of, of shifting gears a little bit and get into some of the meditation and mindfulness side of things. But I think, you know, when it comes to our running, it can also be the same type of thing where we look at the, the mental side of running versus the, the physical side of running. Um, but again, very much two sides of the same coin, as opposed to two separate entities that, that, uh, you know, you have to work on or try to train up or whatever. Um, so, so for you, yeah. Eric, mm-hmm. you, that's so true with, with the mindfulness side of things and, and the meditation practice, that has been a part of your life longer than, than the running side. Um, wh- where did that passion or, or the, the, the practice or the habit or however, however is the best way to describe it? When did you get started into, into meditation? I, I think it was about 12 when I started, um, learning about meditating, although I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. Mm. Um, you know, I was a, I was a, I, I was a kid into Dungeons and Dragons and Star Wars. I was very much a, a you know, sci-fi fantasy kid, not like I already mentioned, totally non-athletic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I remember two books that, that kind of got me started down this path. One of them was, uh, it was called the Silva Mind Control Method. I don't know if you've ever heard about mm-hmm. that. It's it's still around. Um, I think it's a lot of it's been uh, debunked, but it's you know it was a uh, it was it was this guy sort of promising that through mind control, which um, what he was what he was 
uh, talking about in his book was was basic meditation practice or mindfulness practice. Through that sort of practice, you could develop um, ESP and special powers. Wow. And, uh, you know, I thought that was cool. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pay attention to my breath. I remember sitting on my bed, focusing on my breath and thinking that it was going to help me uh, become psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, that, maybe that's a little weird. But uh, but what I when I look back at it now, I realize, oh, that was that was my first meditation. Mm-hmm. I was learning how to meditate. I was learning how to pay attention to my breathing and my body and my mind. Um, so that was the kind of the first step. Um, so I'll still I'll still credit the the Silva mind control method with that, even though I I still haven't developed those psychic powers. <laughs> still waiting promised. on those to develop. Yeah, I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I and then I remember picking up another book uh, that was about um, sort of Eastern philosophy and the world of Star Wars. Mm. Um, and I, I remember almost nothing about that book. I've tried to find it again on Amazon and online. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't have it anymore. I don't remember anything about it other than somehow it connected Star Wars and Buddhism. Mm. And, um, and so then that, that kind of got me interested in, in Buddhism. It's probably the first time I really had heard about it. Um, so, you know, then I just – I was a 12-year-old kid, so I couldn't just go run off to a, mm-hmm. a meditation center. I mean they didn't have them right. much you know, around where I was at the time anyway. So I would just read here and there about it and I always had this kind of in the back of my mind. And then when I was um, in college, I remember reading uh, Jack Kerouac. So then the – I guess I guess I, I can credit three books with my mm. – my journey into uh, Buddhism. The third one was the Dharma Bums by Jack Kerouac, uh, you know, and that was sort of the beat generation um, look at Buddhism, kind of their version of it. But it was, you know, still a lot of a lot of writing about Buddhist thought, and uh, it was really interesting and exciting for me, and and a little bit different. And uh, I kind of went down that path a little bit, um, reading more and more, reading, you know. And then I started to read uh, serious Buddhist teachers like mm-hmm. uh, like Thich Nhat Hanh, um, who's a Vietnamese Zen monk, um, like Chögyam Trungpa Rinpoche, the guy that founded uh, Naropa University, and some of the other teachers. Um, and then I moved to uh, Salt Lake City when I was about 23 or 24, and Salt Lake had a pretty well-known Zen center mm. uh, and decided to go and take a, a class at the Zen center. Um, I did like a four-week program there of you know learning the basics of Zen practice, and then I was hooked. I had I, you know I had some insights into my own mind sitting there on the cushion in those first sessions. I remember talking with the teacher about them and his encouraging me to, you know, to continue to look at my mind and, and learn about it um, and learn about myself. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was at the time working as an environmental activist. So I was kind of, you know, doing my best to bring mindfulness into the work that I was doing, which is the kind of work you can get burned out on really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's a maybe there's a connection there between the the running and rest and the uh, the kind of activism and rest uh, that I needed at the time. But um, you know, so I was kind of balancing those two things and found that the the meditation practice was really helping me avoid that burnout. It was helping me avoid the kind of anger that can come along with 
with that type of, of activism and that type of, uh, you know, civic engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're, when you're looking at the other side, you're always fighting somebody. You're always trying to stop somebody from getting what they want so that you can get what you want. Um, and I was trying to, I, I was trying to find a, a middle way there in between those. Um, and it was working really well for me. And then what I, uh, after a few years of meditating in Salt Lake and working in Salt Lake, I discovered Naropa University, which had, um, at the time, uh, this engaged Buddhism master's program. Um, and it was, you know, the perfect program for me. Mm-hmm. It was all about taking, uh, your Buddhist practice and, and, you know, taking it off the cushion and out into the world and, integrating it with the work that you're doing in the world, whatever that work may be, whether it's working as an activist or whether it's working as a social worker, or whether it's working as a, a, you know, a banker or mm-hmm. a fireman, whatever you're doing, you can bring uh, meditation and mindfulness into that work to make it, um, you know, to, just to, just to help yourself and to help other people. So I um, signed up for that engaged Buddhism program at Naropa uh, which it just so happened that the year I signed up, they were developing it into a Master of Div- Divinity program, mm-hmm. um, and you know that was it. I, I was uh, again, I was hooked one more time, um, and spent three awesome years at Naropa studying. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. How how did um, or or how how has maybe I don't know what what exactly the right the right way to say it is, but but blending of the two, you know, blending blending the running with with the meditation because i think you know somebody like myself who hasn't been exposed to much meditation although i've, I've tried to get into it a little bit more and i, I kind of have a, a you know I, I don't know that it's mm-hmm. super disciplined but like every morning I, I have gotten into a good routine of of just trying to you know breathe and focus on the breath for five or five or ten minutes before you know once i get out of bed but before i really start the day so i'm, I'm making baby steps here but for, <laughs> for somebody who's not well versed in in meditation um yeah you know, I think I think the, the stereotype, kind of like you said, getting off the cushion. So it's kind of that the stereotype is is you know sitting on the cushion. Uh, you know, whether it's it's doing a mantra or the mm, or, or whatever it might be. That's that's kind of maybe the the Americanized, bastardized stereotype of of meditation. Which you know, as as runners, I think sometimes we think of our running as a bit of a meditation. Out, you know, a, a more moving meditation. Oh, absolutely. But it's yeah. but but I think again, and maybe I'm painting with too broad of a brush. I don't know, but I, I don't think that there's as much, at least for myself, as much of a of a recognition recognition that those two are very similar in scope so um all that to say you know when you when you got into running a bit more um after after going to to school there um was it was it a a pretty natural fit of like yes running meditation these are these are two again two sides of the same coin or maybe maybe one and a half sides of the same coin um or or was there some some separateness of them for a while before they really started to blend for you i think they blended pretty um pretty organically for me early on. I think it was because I had just spent three years um, studying Buddhist philosophy and studying meditation so intensely mm-hmm. that when I started running, you know, I, I, I was meditating an hour a day probably at the time. And then I would go out and run and just take what I had already been doing on the cushion out onto the run. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of walking meditation as well. So it just kind of naturally, um, naturally came to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that I think that running is, uh, and <laughs> not that I think my running is exactly like meditation, but, um, there's certainly a, 
a level of mindfulness that can come easier to runners, I think, mm -hmm. if they work to tap into it. I think that um, there's a there's a spiritual element to running that we don't always notice. Um, but that's and so that for me is where the meditation piece comes in because meditation is about noticing these things. Um, so I, you know, I had been studying studying all this stuff very intensely, um, and you know, I just realized early on that um, mindfulness and running went hand in hand to me. Like like you said, it's two sides of the same coin. Um, although I didn't really put the two together, um, until much later. I mean, I was doing it without realizing it. Mm. Um, and it, it probably wasn't until, you know, probably after my year in 2009 of, of running like crazy, uh, that I started to think about the, the deeper levels of, of mindfulness that can come with, uh, you know, a running practice, um, and the, the spiritual aspect of it. Um, it didn't hurt that there was a book that came out at the time uh, by uh, Sakyong Mipam Rinpoche, who's the son of Chogem Trungpa Rinpoche, called Running with the Mind of Meditation, mm. um, which, which for me, and it you know, may have been one of the first books on mindful running out there. Uh, so, and it really connected the Buddhist element with the, you know, the sort of organic mindfulness that can come with running. Um, and, you know, that's just that it, it kind of exploded from there for me in my mind. Um, so it's been, you know, I, like I said, I was doing the mindful running without mm -hmm. realizing it. Um, but then the more I thought about it and the more I noticed it, the more it became kind of part of my, my running practice. Um, you know, and it's still, <laughs> I'm not trying to put myself out there as an expert right? <laughs> because right. there's just as much mindless running for me as there is mindful running. But, um, it's, it's always interesting to me when I, when I can bring myself back and notice kind of what's been distracting me on the run and come back to whatever it is that I was looking at as you know, my object of meditation on the run, whether it was mm -hmm. my breathing, whether it was my foot strike or something about my form, um, you know, or sometimes it can be a mantra. Um, sometimes it can be just thoughts of, of loving kindness and compassion, you know, instead of thinking about uh, work or mm -hmm. thinking about home or thinking about what I'm going to call this run on Strava or, you know, all those, <laughs> <laughs> all those things, um, sort of noticing what the distractions are and then reining yourself in, coming back from them. Um, for me, that's been, you know, that really teaches me a lot about myself because I learn, I learn what the distractions are. So they're there, you know, th they're serving a really, really important purpose mm -hmm. in mindful running because they, they tell me more about who I am, what I'm distracted by. Like, oh yeah, Strava. Like I'm spent half of my run thinking about what I'm going to call this run on Strava. Right. <laughs> That's kind of silly. What does it tell me about myself? Uh, you know, and so I can look deeper into that and then, and then I can kind of let go of it. Um, once I, once I know more about what it, you know, what it's all about. Mm -hmm. For, for somebody like me, uh, and, and I'm assuming maybe a couple people that, that are listening that, um, would would probably be eh, maybe a bit more than we like to to uh, admit on the mindless side of running, where it's like you know probably people listening right now are are out running, um, you know and they've got their their music playlist queued up, they've got their podcasts, yeah. their audiobooks, wh whatever, all these different things. They're to, listening to you. They're right. listening to your podcast. Yeah, of exactly. Um, they and, better be. And and I'm glad that they are, of course. But at the yeah. same time, 
Um, I don't feel like listening to us talk or listening to an audio, like there's benefits to those things. Hopefully there's yeah. entertainment value. There's things that you're learning, whatever the case might be, but to call those mindful, uh, would, would be right. uh, not, not accurate. Um, so, you know, somebody like that. And again, I'm, I'm throw myself out there. Like I, it's, it's, unless I'm running with somebody, it's pretty rare that I'm not running with something going through my, my ears, some, mm-hmm. some type of, of again, audiobook, podcast, music, whatever the case might be. What are some good ways to get started? You know, it, 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 like it, on one hand, you could say just don't listen to anything and think about something. And it, it sounds pretty simple, but again, knowing myself, um, you know, that might that might happen for the first, you know, maybe quarter of a mile of the next run, but then it's gonna be like, screw this, this sucks. Like, back, yeah. to, back to listen to something. So, for somebody right. like like me that wants to maybe get started with this a little bit, where where can we baby steps type of thing? Well, I mean, the, the first thing I would say is that whether you're whether you're listening to podcasts and music and distracting yourself in that way or just letting your mind distract itself, mm. the, there's no difference. I mean, those are both distractions, right? So it's kind of about whether we choose to be distracted. And I think that you can listen to music and be mindful at the same time while you're running. I mean, sometimes the music sort of takes a you know, I, I listen to music when I'm on the treadmill and which isn't very often, but I, I like listening to music and it kind of takes this, it's kind of the soundtrack that's going on in my head, but the other stuff's still there. There's still distractions coming up and I can still kind of bring myself back into, you know, so, some mindfulness, even with the music going on. But I do think that, um, just turning off the, the noise for, whatever length of time makes the most sense for you is a good way to start. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, it's like starting a meditation practice. Uh, you know, teachers used to say, you got to sit for half an hour. You got to sit for 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, people, people start asking teachers, well, my life's really busy. Can I, can I sit for five minutes? And uh, and Sakam Mipam Rinpoche, I once heard him say, well, what, what do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to tell you that sitting for one minute is, is going to be enough or sitting for 30 seconds is going to be enough? It's, it's what's best for you. You know, if your mind is racing enough that, uh, that one minute of sitting down and breathing, paying attention to your breath and your body is going to make a difference for you, then start there. Um, if taking the earbuds out for a minute of your run is going to is going to help you get started down that path uh, of mindfulness and allow you to be to be more uh, mindful, um, start there, and don't be don't be so hard on yourself. I think one of the one of the challenges that people who are interested in starting uh, a meditation practice or starting it, you know, down a, a journey of mindfulness. Um, one of the problems that we have sometimes is that we we're really hard on ourselves about it. You know, we, we have this notion of, uh, Zen masters just sitting, staring at a wall, blocking out all their thoughts. Um, you know, we get the idea that that's what meditation is. I need to stop all these thoughts from coming into my head. And then the first time you sit down on a, a cushion and try to meditate, you, you think you're insane because the thoughts are, the thoughts are there. They don't stop. I mean, that's part of, it's part of how we're, we're built. Mm-hmm. If we could stop our thoughts, we would, we would die. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we, we're just wired that way. Uh, it's, it's evolution that made us this way. Our minds are constantly going 
they're constantly tuning in with what's going on around us. They're tuning in with, you know, with memories, things that we've learned. They're t- thinking about the future, um, what could possibly happen, um, you know, with this next step. Am I going to am I going to trip over a, a tree stump? Am I going to fall off the treadmill? What's going to happen to me? You know, we're we're kind of wired that way. We're looking out for the the saber toothed tiger that's about mm-hmm. to pounce on us. So um, so one of the things I talk to people about when I when I teach meditation is like just you got to be gentle with yourself because what you're doing is you're going against the stream you're going against your natural inclinations which are to always be on your toes and always be thinking it is really unnatural for us to sit and be quiet and look at our minds instead of look at what's distracting us um so you know, a lot of us come to meditation and we give up easily. Mm-hmm. It's like st- it's like trying to start running and, and trying to run a marathon the first time you head out, you know, right. or without training. You're going to give up or, or showing up for a 5K um, without having run before and watching everybody fly past you and feeling bad about yourself. But you don't have to feel bad about yourself because you're there. I mean, there's an intention behind that. There's an intention behind – um, getting to that meditation cushion and starting the practice that something inside you makes you want to do that. There's a part of you that says, you know what? I feel like if I sit down, look at my mind, you know, get in tune with my body and my feelings, my emotions and the way I respond to them, get in tune with the sort of love and compassion that lies in my heart there's there's a seed in there in each of us and if it got you to the meditation cushion that's where you start mm-hmm. that's the beginning of it and it, you as you cultivate it you know you're watering it you're watering that seed and it starts to grow just like with running you know you go out the first time and you run a quarter mile right maybe and then you're out of breath and you can either feel terrible and give up or you can know that this is a start Mm-hmm. There's something in me that made me do this and, and, and tune back into that intention. Go back in and think, well, what was it that got me out there that first time and made me run that one lap around the track before I stopped? And next time, maybe shoot for two or maybe only shoot for one and a half or maybe just shoot for one again. Mm-hmm. But know that you're still doing it and something is building. And the next time you try it, you're going to hit two laps you're, and then you're going to hit a mile and then you're going to go for two miles and then three and then you're going to go run a 5k and and feel what it's like to be part of a race mm-hmm. um my 12 my year old daughter went out for the first time the other day uh on her own she decided to go for a run put on her shoes and ran two miles and i gotta say i was so proud yeah. to, to see her take that first step um and part of it has to do with competing with her little sister who beat her in a 5k last year. But, <laughs> but, but there's still, there's something in there that's, that's making her want to be better, mm-hmm. making her want to be stronger. And, and that, that she knows, um, naturally by getting out there and running, she's going to, she's going to become a better runner, obviously, just like by, um, getting onto the meditation cushion and meditating, you're going to become a better meditator if there is such a thing. Right. So, I mean, I'm going off on a, a tangent here, I think, but, um, you know, for, for 
beginners, for anybody who's starting a meditation practice or anything for that matter, I'd say be gentle with yourself. You're not you're you're where you are. We mm-hmm. all are right where we are, um, and that's the only place we can start. So. Uh, you know, don't try to be that Zen master staring at the wall. Don't try mm-hmm. to block out the distractions and the thoughts. Those are part of you. Those are part of what makes you who you are, makes you special. You know, let them in and uh, and see what they're all about. And that's that's where you can start with this. Yeah. So, I, oh, I, sorry. I, I was just I think that's that's great advice, and I think it's something that. Uh, you know, I think we're we're all quick to point to the, the the new runners and say and say basically what you just said. Don't compare yourself to people that have been running for five years, ten years, their whole lives, and think that you're going to measure up or compare or be able yeah. to race them on your first day or your first race. Um, but then, you know, we look at ourselves, and especially for something like this, where it's quote unquote easy, just sit there and don't think about anything. Which anybody who's ever tried to do that knows that that's anything but easy to do. But we look at and try to be like, well, I need to be like you said, the Zen master. And if we're not, we're a failure. And that's just not a fair comparison to make. And it's not something that you know. It's just setting yourself up for failure instead of giving yourself a place to start and build from, just like we do with with our running. Right. I think what we do is we see we see these elite runners. <laughs> you know, we watch the marathon on TV, or we go out and we're at the finish line when we see the. The, you know, the, the first finishers come across the finish line and we, we think, oh, yeah, running looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. <laughs> right, right. And it's, it took them a long time to get there. Nobody started there. Um, you know, I don't, think, I don't think even Meb has won every race. No. I mean, we know that he hasn't, right. but he certainly wasn't, didn't win his first races probably. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we're all, we all start somewhere. We all have what we have. That's, I mean, there's no more basic way to put it. Uh, so if you can, if you can run, if running something you can do, start with one step. And if meditating something you can do, you start with one breath and take it from there. And every, you know, every next step and every next breath is, you know, you're that much farther along the path. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's great, great advice. And certainly, uh, something to, for myself, like I said, I, I'm the first to admit this is something that I, I need to to work on more for myself or want to work on more for myself. So that's a, a good, a good reminder. So Eric, as we're, as we're getting to that point of, of wrapping up, can't, can't let you go without throwing some type of philosophical question at you. Um, <laughs> and, and today, you know, kind of, you know, zooming out a little bit, but, but we can take this, whichever, obviously take it, which I would want, I want you to take it whichever direction you want to go with it. But, uh, you know, at this point in your, in your life, uh, in your running career, um, I'm just gonna gonna keep it real simple today. What does what does being a runner mean to you today? You know, right now, 50 years old, just just off of the the most recent Broad Street uh, 10 miler. What does being a runner mm-hmm. mean to you? Wow, that is a, that's a deep question. Um, it's you know, running has really uh, changed my life in a lot of ways. You know, I talked about uh, how I started running because um, because I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to get healthy again. Um, running for me has, it's made me recognize that I am an athlete, you know, having grown up someone who was, was teased for, for not being one, um, picked on and, and bullied. Uh, it's really helped me kind of come into my own and who I am. I remember I ran the Boston marathon in 2016 and I remember showing up at the athletes village, you know, before, before you go get in your corral to start and seeing, you know, there's a big sign, welcome athletes. And I kind of looked around like, who's that for? And I realized, oh yeah, 
wow, cool. I'm an athlete now. Um, you know, and it's just one label. It's not, it doesn't sum up who I am, but for me, it's given me some, um, you know, some more confidence in, uh, you know, in doing what I do. Um, you know, so that's one of the things that running, running has meant for me. It's been, it's been a profound change in my life from, uh, kind of an insecure kid, you know, that, that little 12 year old kid is still, still here inside me. Um, but thanks to running, you know, now there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more depth to it. Um, you know, and it's also, running's also deepened my, my meditation practice and my mindfulness practice. Uh, you know, when I'm running and I'm noticing my body and noticing what's popping up in my head, it's, you know, I take that back to the meditation cushion with me. Uh, I, I, I bring it back and I, uh, you know, I just use that in my meditation. Um, because sometimes when I'm sitting there on a cushion, uh, I can be tired it's kind of easy to kind of drift off into this, you know, you, you kind of zone out mm-hmm. sitting on a cushion. But I have this, you know, have these memories of what it feels like to be running and notice my mind, to be running and, and follow my breath. And, you know, it wakes me up a little bit. So it's, it, you know, running is kind of organically uh, deepened my meditation practice. And just the same way that I feel like uh, meditation is, has kind of deepened my, my running practice um, and just just they you know again two sides of the same coin they just help me along and i and i also think that uh running is a real it can be um it, there's a lot to learn from running about ourselves it's taught me a lot about my body it's taught me a lot about by teaching me about my body about my own mortality mm. you know i had an, uh, a knee injury last year that knocked me out for just a couple weeks but um, that was, uh, you know, that was a terrifying experience mm-hmm. of not being able to run, even when I tried to move, um, only being able to hobble. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that was a, you know, I, I pulled myself back a little bit there and thought, yeah, man, you know, this, your body, you're not going to have it forever. Like treat it well, think about it as a blessing. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there, and there's a lot that running has has brought me. It's also brought me an incredible uh, group of friends and a community. Um, you know, I'm part of a couple running groups here um, in Philadelphia, including uh, there's the Elkins Park Beer Runners, which is sort of a shoot off of the Fishtown Beer Runners. If you're familiar with them, um, it's not all about beer, but there's uh, you know, it's about it's about running. It's about enjoying, uh, you know, responsible uh, drinking, mm-hmm. and it's about, um, and it's about the community. They do a lot to raise awareness uh, and funds for important causes. Uh, there's a lot of friendship there. It's it, to me, it's it's really that that's one of the ways that I've really been profoundly affected is um, by just meeting some incredible people, um, being able to run with them. You know, like the experience mm-hmm. of running with friends is it's different from just sitting around you know drinking a beer with friends and talking with friends running is it's a different level i think right um it adds to the other stuff you know when you've run with somebody the conversation can be can be deeper afterwards i think mm-hmm. um and you know it inspires some some competition some friendly competition right. uh but for me the, the community piece is huge 
and you know so many people are are running so many so many you know you just see more and more people getting out there lacing up heading out the door and it's great to know that there are are places for them to uh to meet like-minded people um and you know i've made some really really good friends that way yeah yeah um great yeah no i i I think that's that's great and uh as as per usual i i well actually not as per usual because i try not to to gum up too much after the philosophical and just wrap things up. But one thing that uh, I do want to just give you a second to, to plug real quick for those that are in the Philadelphia area, if they want to, you know, maybe find out a little bit more about this whole meditation and running thing. Um, correct me if I'm wrong and please give the, give the details for those that are interested. Yeah. Uh, once, once a month, right. There's a, there's kind of a, a run that you host that, that is kind of focused on this, this meditation and, and running and, and kind of putting these pieces together. So yes, we have, uh, I'm, I've started mindful Mondays. Um, it's a once a month run and we had our first run last night. So <laughs> I think stay, if, if you're interested, stay tuned, look, check out the Facebook page. Um, I, I can already tell you that the second month of mindful Monday is going to be on a different Monday because my wife's birthday is the second Monday. And you got to be mindful of that. I got to sure. be mindful of that, <laughs> uh, mindful of her birthday. So it's probably going to be the, the first or third Monday in June. Mm-hmm. Um, but stay tuned for that. I'm also, uh, you know, developing more workshops. Uh, I've done three uh, Dharma running workshops so far, which were, you know, pretty well received. Okay. Um, and I, I've been holding them at uh, Jenkintown Running Company, which is one of our local running stores. They're they're great. And when I talk about community, there's a store that's really not just about selling people running gear, but they're really about building a running community uh, for, you know, for so many reasons. So just a, just a shameless plug for them there. But um, uh, it's been great. And uh, I'm going to be probably we'll, – we'll do the Mindful Mondays through the summer. And then I'm putting together some longer, kind of more in-depth workshops for the fall uh, because what I realized in doing – I've been – the workshops I've done so far are Sunday mornings – uh, for just about an hour and a half and then go out for a, a few mile run. Um, and I've, you know, I just go on and on when I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing an hour long workshop and it turns into an hour and a half because there's so much that I'm trying to pack in. Mm-hmm. And I've realized this needs to be a four session program, or this needs uh-huh. to be like a Friday evening and a Saturday morning. Um, because there's a lot I've, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've talked today with you about the, the mindfulness aspects and barely scratch the surface, I feel like, on um, the cultivating compassion and loving kindness piece, which mm-hmm. is hugely important to me. So I'm working on um, ways to integrate um, the cultivation of loving kindness with running and to really, you know, take, take the next step from the mindful running, which can make us better runners, to the, the piece that makes us better people, I think, and makes us more compassionate makes us more kind, makes us more patient and, uh, you know, changes the way we interact with the world and makes the world a better place. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So guys, once again, um, whether or not you're in Philadelphia area, definitely check out what Eric's got going on. But if you are in Philly, uh, you know, check it out, join one of his, his runs or workshop or whatever. If it's something that, that, uh, 
is of interest to you. DharmaRunning.com, once again, D-H-A-R-M-A Running.com, Instagram at Dharma underscore running, Facebook at Dharma Runner, and uh, everything will be linked up as always. DizRuns.com slash 728 will get you back to the show notes today. So, Eric, thanks for uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for uh, Thank helping you. us all hopefully hopefully be a little bit more mindful, a little bit more aware, at least think at least think about it. Which that's half to, that, that is it, right? That, that's, that's yeah, the key there's a lot right to there. think about. Think, think, of, think about being mindful. Yes, and, and don't it, think about don't don't try not to think because right. it's that's not possible. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, thank you again for the time, my friend, and uh, so looking thank forward you, to staying Danny. in touch. And if there's anything I can do to help out uh, down the road, please let me know. Okay. All right. Thank you, Denny. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed a little, little mindfulness conversation today between Eric and myself. And as per usual, I'll be curious to know what. What thoughts that this conversation generated? Maybe uh, this one hit you, hit a little close to home. Lord knows it certainly did for me. It was certainly a conversation that I needed. But uh, whatever your takeaways are, whatever your thoughts are, I would absolutely love to hear them. But first, I'll share mine, of course. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to also do myself. So my thoughts on today's episode, my my big takeaway um, was, you know, it's one of those things that I almost feel ridiculous saying this. Because, you know, when, when we talk about runners and we talk about the progress that, that we need to make, or I talk about doing the little things, uh, or, you know, working with my, my athletes that I coach, whatever the case might be, it's like, you know, embrace the, the need to start, you know, embrace that, you know, start with small steps. You don't have to be perfect from the beginning. You don't have to be, uh, you know, running a marathon the first time out or whatever. Start with a block, start with a mile, start with, start with whatever is a manageable chunk Start with five minutes on the, the foam roller. Start with one minute on the foam roller. Yet when it comes to being mindful and embracing some silence, some th- time to think, especially during a run, I, I sometimes battle this feeling that like if I don't have, you know, if I'm not going to do it the whole time, it's not worth it, which is ridiculous. And this is, this is entirely true. And this is all I could think of when Eric was talking about, you know, just running for a little while. And, and focusing on your breath or your footfalls, but just, you know, being present and not having any external stimulation, anything coming through the headphones. You know, w- when I'm out for a run, I usually try to plan my podcasts, you know, what, what podcast I'm listening to for something that's going to be long enough for me to, you know, especially for the shorter runs, for those, those midweek runs, those three, four, five milers. It's like, all right, what, which podcast and maybe make a little playlist. So I've got two podcasts that are going to go so I can get my whole run in before the, the podcast before the, the external distractions, information, entertainment, whatever the case might be, before that runs out. And I wish I could say that I was joking. But there's been several times where I'll be, you know, a quarter of a mile from the house, maybe a half a mile from the house. So we're talking two minutes, three minutes, maybe at most five minutes from being finished. And the, the audio runs out. And I will legit stop running or at least slow way down, or just walk, pull my phone out of my pocket, unlock it, and find another podcast to listen to for those two or three minutes or five minutes until I get home, instead of just running and being at peace and being practicing being mindful or trying, attempting to be mindful for those literally couple of minutes. Because somehow in my mind, if I don't have a lot of time or if I'm not being super intentional about it, it's not worth anything or it's not very valuable. Even though I would completely argue 
to anybody who's saying, well, if I don't have time to do a full hour of yoga, clearly doing two minutes of stretching isn't going to help me. No, that's ridiculous. But when it comes to my mindfulness, I fall into that same trap. So Eric talking about, you know, the, the value of just starting the value of one minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever, whatever we can do, whatever we can handle. Maybe it's the, the value of when a podcast ends a few minutes before I get home, not rushing to turn something else on, but just embracing the silence. Maybe that's where being a more mindful runner needs to start for me. Hopefully you're not as ridiculous as I am, but, but that was my takeaway that, you know, the next time I'm on a run, especially if I'm very near the the end of that run and the podcast runs out or I get to the end of a chapter of an audiobook, instead of starting something new for two minutes, five minutes, I'm just going to try to run in silence, embrace it, try to be a little bit mindful and see what happens. And who knows, maybe that'll, maybe that'll be something where I, all of a sudden I'll start where I start the runs like that. Maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that should be a better first step, but let's, again, let's be realistic. Let's start somewhere. And I'm going to start with the next time something runs out, I'm just going to try to cruise on through without listening to anything else and see what happens. And I bet you, I bet you it won't kill me. I bet you it'll actually be pretty darn good. So that's my thought. That's my takeaway. That's uh, my, my little, uh, kick to the gut from the, today's conversation, something that I need to improve upon. What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? What was something that, that you're going to take away from hearing Eric talk about uh, some mindfulness and also obviously sharing his story as well? Let me know on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm at DizRuns in both places. You can also shoot me an email anytime, whether you got your thoughts, feedbacks on this, whether you've got a coaching question, whether you just want to shoot the breeze, always down for that. DizRuns at gmail.com is the email address there. And uh, in case you want to head over to the show notes, check out some photos, links, all that good stuff as well. DizRuns.com slash 728. We'll take you back to the show notes for today's episode. We've got all the comments. Or not all the comments. Well, you can leave your comments, but we've got the show notes. We've got the links. We've got the photos all there ready for you to check out at your leisure. So that is it for today. Uh, if you want to help support uh, support the cause, help keep the lights on, help keep things going, one of the greatest things you can do is continue to spread the word. So many of you have been telling other people about the show, um, you know, posting about it, sharing about it, tagging it in your stories on Instagram or in your posts or in your comments. Um, and I appreciate it. I appreciate every single one of those. Um, it really means a lot. It really does help, you know, just, just, uh, helping people to, you know, it's maybe this doesn't sound ridiculous to you because I'm, I'm so far deep into it. I still, I forget sometimes that there's still a lot of people that don't even know what podcasts are that uh, have never heard of a podcast. Obviously you have, since you're hearing me talk right now. Um, but odds are you've got plenty of running friends that have no idea what podcasts are. And even if they're not going to listen to them while they're running, maybe while they're commuting, maybe while they're doing the dishes, maybe while they're, um, folding the laundry, cooking dinner, whatever the case might be, maybe they would enjoy listening to podcasts and maybe this would be one of them. Maybe not. That's fine. But, uh, you helping to tell other people about the show or sharing about it on your blog or on your social media, um, it's helpful. It's helpful, n- not just to me, but just to podcast and quality audio entertainment, education, whatever the case might be in general. So, uh, if you found this, use this episode useful, you find any episode useful and you'd be willing to hit the share button, talk about it, brag about it, um, point people my way, or just point people to the, the Apple podcast app or Google play or whatever it is in general, and let them find their own way and find their own shows. That would be fantastic. Cause, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bullish on podcasts and the more people that listen to podcasts, the more people may eventually find my show, find our show, find this show in our little corner of the internet and come hang out with us in the Facebook group or whatever the case might be. So thank you for sharing the show, telling other people about it. And once again, 
uh, just stay tuned. Keep it on your radar. The Diz Runs Virtual Race is coming soon. We'll have some sign-up information soon. Like I said, we'll have all kinds of, uh, or at least working on getting all kinds of goodies. Uh, I know I'm kicking in a few things. I've got some some friends that might be kicking in a few things as well. Some past guests of the show that are former running coach or that are running coaches, but for, former guests, people who uh, you know I respect their work. They do really very great work and have a lot of great information. Trying to get some of them to share some things uh, as well that'll all be free. All all things that you can get for free as uh, you know as a way of saying thank you for helping to fight the fight against the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So stay tuned for the Diz Runs virtual race, the Diz Days of Summer, coming in in August, but more information coming much more soon than that. So uh, at this point, we've gone on long enough. This was a long one today, but thanks for bearing with it. Hope it was enjoyable. Hope you found it useful. Uh, And thank you just for your time and attention. Certainly appreciate it. And uh, until next time, be well. Take care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Take care, guys.